Hello and welcome to episode number 10 of the All About Valky podcast. This week we are joined with motivational speaker and businessman Stuart Myers as he goes through his life journey, as he talks about life with a disability, family, what he's been through, been born with no arms and how he managed to overcome it to be one of the best motivational speakers in the world today. This podcast is sponsored by KO Financial, specialists in mortgages and protecting your family's finances. Whether you're looking for the best mortgage for you or want to make sure you and your family aren't struggling if you're seriously ill or pass away, call KO Financial on 0141 447 0290 or email advice at for more information. It was a real pleasure speaking to him, and I hope you enjoy listening to Stuart Myers' World to Your Feet. Thank you. Okay, so I'm here with Stuart Myers, finally, the long-awaited podcast. Uh, I've had a few people mention your name to me quite a few times and wanting to get you on, and reading about your story and everything you're doing has been really quite motivating for me as well, to be honest. How are you doing today? How's things going on with you? Very well, thank you, mate, and thank you very much for having me on. It's been uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Well, I'm, uh, like I say, I'm delighted to have you. And do you know, one thing I found really interesting reading about you was you worked for councils for quite a number of years. I think twenty five altogether, um, and then quite a few years ago, to say to make your own motivational speaking company and world your world your feet, and um, it made me wonder what what kind of spurred that sort of idea to, to go from working at the council to say I'm going to be able to be a speaker. It's quite, it's quite a drastic switch. It, w- it was a big move and it was a big decision for me to make really. Uh, 18 years I worked in, in for different councils. I worked over at Middlesbrough and then Redcar and Cleveland near where I live. And I did a, a va- various amount of jobs uh, for local authority. It was all I'd ever known. So from when I left school, all I'd ever done was work for local councils. And I just got to the point where I was doing motivational speaking, but I was doing it on the side. So while I was working full time, I started to do talks and get bookings to speak in schools, to speak to businesses, speak at conferences. And it started out as a bit of a hobby, a little bit of a sideline. And I would say over, excuse me, over about three years, the bookings kind of grew and grew and grew. And it got to the point where every time I was doing a talk, I was getting more bookings to do more talks. Mm-hmm. And I got to the point where I sat down with my diary um, about, about three years ago, and I, I was looking at the year ahead, and I had so many bookings in my diary, but I didn't have the time to do them all. And I had a decision to make. I could yeah. have carried on working full time, but I've always wanted to work for myself. <clears throat> and I got to the point where that was the time and I made yeah. the huge decision I thought I can always go back and get another job but I've got to give it a go yeah because I mean, when I read about that I just thought it's it quite a bold move to make and but you've obviously had great success doing it and you're, you're changing lives out there so it's great to see and um, to, to go back to can I take you back to the start almost and how how that all came about for you and to where you are today like I read that your, your, your parents actually didn't know you were going to be born with no arms and it was kind of a, a, no. surpri- a surprise. Um, how, how was that for your fa- family and for you in terms of figuring out 
how to use your feet and how to because there's not really much of a manual for it if you know what I mean like not there's not many people out there that say this is how to use your feet for everything so how were you able to adjust and, and figure out how to do that was that a difficult process it wasn't for me at all really because I've never known any difference <clears throat> I, I, I was born with no arms so for me I don't know what it's like to have arms for my mum and dad it was a bit different yeah <clears throat> because they excuse me <clears throat> oh, um, because for them they were just expecting a healthy normal baby mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they're presented with me it's all of a sudden they've got this <clears throat> enormous task in front of them and but for me it's never been any different yeah see that's I can, I can really relate to that because I've been in a wheelchair my whole life and everyone asks me oh. do you know where to go walk and I'm like no I'm, I'm not I have no interest in walking I don't know where that is it's never been my life so it's it's always been, you know, being in a wheelchair and having no arms is the norm for us, you know? So I think there's this, this idea that disability has, has to inherently mean that you think about it. It doesn't, just because you're disabled doesn't mean you have to want the thing that you don't have. Do you know what I mean? So I was speaking to, I spoke to quite a few different people about this, the whole idea of disability and how it's perceived. Did you ever feel as though you were, you were seen differently because of it? How, how is the kind of process of, normalizing it in your own mind and figuring out how to, how to communicate it to other people because it was something that I struggled with yeah I think for me it's always been a bit like it's my life and I am me um like I say I've never known any different and I've been really lucky to be surrounded by positive people my whole life and that's really helped me yeah yeah, I I, um, I read about how you were you were talking about or talking to kids is your favorite thing like in, when you're when you're doing these these talks, motivational talks, and I thought that was really interesting because you were talking about how there's there's no real filter for them and and all these things, and it made me wonder. Do you, do you think the kind of almost the the way around normalising disability is through connecting with the younger generation and and, not, and and showing them that you aren't any different and we aren't any different? Yeah, there's, there's a massive part of education here, isn't there? Because yeah. It's okay for me and you. We we are what we are. We've got our disabilities. But other people, especially people who have never met and been around disabled people, I think there's a whole fear from some people because they don't know how to approach us. And we're just people. See the person first, see the disability second. And a large part of my job is speaking to people as Stu, not as the lad with no arms. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, and I think that gets lost in a lot of people. Is, is you don't you don't know you don't really you can't understand something you don't know about. It's all about putting yourself out there, like you do, and and like I'm trying to do, and, and sort of normalizing it to the world and saying, look, we we can we can do all these things and and be that way. But one of the things that I've I've often talked to my journey in terms of mental health and the things I've been through and how I was able to deal with them. When you have these talks, and I know that mental health is a subject you cover quite in depth when you're talking about it, what, what are the kind of things that you've had to deal with and how you've managed to cope with your mindset and what are you trying to relay to the younger people when you have these conversations? Every talk I do is different because every audience is different. But there's the, the emerging thing that I always try and get across to everyone is that you should just have a go. I always, I always use three little words, have a go. Try everything. We're, we only we only live once. 
We don't know how long we're going to be here. So we've got to make the best of the situation. There's things, everybody's got things they can't do. It's not just disabled people. Everyone's good at something. Other, everyone's got weaknesses. They've all got strengths. But you should have a go at everything. If you don't try things, how are you ever going to know how it pans out? And so don't ever be scared to try something new. We, like I said, we only live once. We should try everything. I, I don't think you'll ever think, I wish I hadn't tried that. Yeah. You might never do it again. It might be something you don't enjoy. It might be something you're not very good at. Well, that's fine. You don't have to do it again. But it might be something that you love. It might be something that you're brilliant at. And unless you try, unless you have a go, how are you ever going to know if that's the right thing or not? And so I, I don't just say that in my talks. It's exactly how I live my life. I like to try everything. And if there's something I haven't tried, I'm more than happy to have a go at it. Some things I absolutely love and I'm brilliant at. Other things I'm absolutely awful at. There's so many things that I'm terrible at. Just ask my wife, she'll tell you every single one. But that's all right. You don't have to be good at everything. And you can't be good at everything. So try everything. If yeah. you're not good at something, but you enjoy it, keep trying it. You're only going to get better. So while every talk I do has a different, different angle, a different aspect, overall, I would say my talks focus on Focus on what you can do, not what you can't do. There's loads of stuff I can't do. But speaking about it isn't going to make me be able to do them. I'd much rather flip it on its head and talk about the positive things in my life and all the things that I can do, because that is me. Don't focus on the things you can't change, is, is a saying I, I like. Everything you say there is spot on, and I, I like to live my life the same way. What I find interesting about it as well, the the public speaking is quite a big thing for people, and and there's like this fear around it. I was very anxious about even doing a podcast and talking to talking to somebody, recording a conversation because I hate listening to my own voice. Um, so was you know we, why do you think that people are kind of so afraid to do these things, and what helped you to go? I'm not going to be scared to do this, and I'm going to go put myself out there and put myself in front of these people and make these points. It's not for everybody, and whether you've got a disability or not, public speaking isn't for everybody, and I completely get that. And that ties into what I was saying about people have strengths and weaknesses. I think a lot of people say to me, where did I learn to do public speaking? Did I get coached? And I didn't really. Um, I just kind of picked up as I went along, very self-taught. People say, don't you get nervous when you go on stage? And I never, ever get nervous. And I think there's one reason why I don't get nervous. And that's because I'm only speaking about myself. So if I open up to a, an audience of 500 people and say, right, ask me any questions, they're only asking me questions about me. I know the answer about me. No matter what they ask, I can answer it. It's, there's nothing to be scared of. In terms of putting myself out there, I never did. Growing up, it's something I just didn't do. I never wanted to be thought of as different. I was just Stu. All my mates, all my friends at school that helped me, all my teachers, everyone who knew me didn't really think of me any differently. They just thought of me as Stu. And that's that's kind of something that I never, I never spoke about a disability because I never really saw myself as being disabled. I obviously knew that I was and I knew that I was different to everybody else. But I just got on with it. It didn't affect my life in any way, really. 
I just did things a little bit differently. And I still do. And it was only, I would say about five years ago, I was asked to do a talk as a bit of a favour at a conference. And what they wanted, they wanted someone to speak for 15 minutes on disability and respect and all, all the things that go along with it. And it was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. And I went onto the stage and I did a very short speech about my view of my life and what respect means to me. And at the end of the talk, there was a queue of people waiting to speak to me. And they wanted me to go and speak in their school, go and speak to their business. And my wife being my wife said, you know what, there might be a business idea here. You should start charging. So that's kind of how it all began by doing one talk as a favour. And then I went into a couple of schools and kind of crafted my talk to how it would work because there's a difference between doing 15 minutes and then standing on stage for an hour telling your story. So I would say that I'm still learning now, five years on. However, it comes naturally now, whereas it didn't used to. I can stand on the stage now and talk about myself without even thinking. And I've kind of got an hour's worth of material, which is quite, quite neatly packaged. And it tells my story right from being born up until the present day. And it kind of just took off from there. It's it's amazing just hearing you speak about it and the impact it's had on people. Because I I feel like having an impact on people that way is the best thing you can do. And which is why I'm doing, trying to do this podcast and trying to do something different. But you you mentioned your wife there briefly and it got me wondering, a lot of people with disabilities, when they think about relationships and meeting people, they they often they get discouraged from it. There's a bit, there's a lot, I have a lot of friends that have, have disabilities that are quite uncomfortable with the idea of meeting somebody and, or they, they, they feel a bit self-conscious about that and how they're seen by other people. Um, what would be your sort of advice in terms of having a disability and being involved in a relationship like that? It's not something I ever thought about really. I always presumed that I would get married. I always presumed that I would have kids and that, again goes back to me not really thinking I'm different to anybody else yeah. there's no reason why having a disability should stop you having a relationship uh, I think not, ev- not every person is as, as blessed as you and me and as good looking as we are however mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's somebody for every, everybody isn't there and I think it comes down to again it's not the disability it's the person behind the disability yes. and you've got to get to know people and Strip away the disability side of things. If you think of any two people who get together, they might find each other attractive to start with. But then if that relationship's going to last, it's got to be about more than just looks and more about more than just appearance. It then goes deeper and you've got to fall in love with the actual person. Now, I'm really lucky that I've found my wife and we've got a really good relationship and we've got two kids. Um, we've been together a long time now. And I don't think my disability ever came into it. And yeah. my wife's brilliant. She's she's a really caring person, and but I don't think she ever really saw my disability. It was always more about me. Yeah, and that's exactly why I asked you the question to be honest, because I get a bunch of messages from people with disabilities that talk that ask me about relationships and things and feel as though they're seen differently and they, they're not given the chance because of X, Y, Z. And I always say that similar thing. So so when I when I hear you, obviously you've got a wife and two kids and. And it's good for them to hear that sort of perspective from somebody and saying, you know, it, it's not about that. I mean, there's huge advantages in, in 
dating a disabled person, isn't there? I mean, you get to park near the door of wherever you're going. You get to <laughs> one entry in a lot of places. I mean, it's not all a bad thing, is it? Exactly. Three cinema tickets. <laughs> uh, how much did having kids kind of change your thought process and, and how you seen the world? A million percent. Um, I think nothing focuses the mind like having a child. Uh, I'm, I would say I'm a completely different person since becoming a dad. You've, you've got to become a lot less selfish and think of other people. And I mean, I was, I think I was about 24, 25 when we had my first child, my daughter Sophie. And just that moment, that moment of when you first become a parent, it kind of takes you to how my mum and dad must have felt having a baby and how every other person, you just, all of a sudden you're responsible for this other human being. So you can't be selfish. It's not all about you. In fact, it's not about you at all. It's about that little person that's in your life. Having, having kids has been the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, I absolutely love being a dad. It's frustrating at times. Don't get me wrong. It can be, nothing can frustrate you more than your own children because they learn how to push your buttons. But it's also the, the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. So I would say you can't prepare yourself for it. But once it's here, it's just the best thing that's ever happened, honestly. Well, that gives me a, a good feeling about it. That was the answer I wanted. I wasn't sure if you... <laughs> We're going to give you the, the, the ins and outs of the, the bad side of it. <laughs> because I, I hear that a lot of times from, from my mum and dad. <laughs> just yeah, I, think, I think having a disability gave me a lot more to think about than anybody else. I mean, I, I was quite nervous about being yeah. a dad because I, I wanted to be very involved in my kids' lives. Um, I wanted to do everything that dads do. And I didn't quite know how it would pan out. For example, changing a nappy. Um, I wanted to yeah. be able to do things like that. And a lot of people say to me, did you get out of changing nappies? Well, no, I, I still did it. I just did it everything a little bit differently. So I laid my baby on the floor and, and I, I used my feet to, to change the nappy and... Um, clean my daughter and get her dressed again. I think picking picking a baby up is always something that I didn't know how it was going to work. And there's, there's always a story I tell when I do my talks about when, when I became a dad. And my wife was going to go back to work after maternity leave, which was all fine. And she worked shifts at the time. So she was going to be doing night shifts. I was absolutely fine with that. But the one thing that I wasn't prepared for was I couldn't work out how I would get my daughter into the cot to put her to bed at night. And I couldn't understand how I was going to be able to do it because you can't pick a baby up with one foot. It doesn't work like that. And I thought about it for quite a long time. And I came up with an idea, but it was a bit risky. So it was so risky, I had to wait till my wife was out to try it. So my, my wife was out one night and I thought, right, now's my chance. I thought, if I just pick my baby up with my teeth. I don't really, I didn't bite her, but it might work. And my daughter was wearing a baby grow and using my teeth, I just kind of bent down and bit the front of a baby grow and picked her up using my teeth. And I leant over the cot and very gently lowered her in. And it worked absolutely perfectly. Now, because it worked perfectly, I could tell my wife all about it when she got home. If it hadn't worked, she'd never have found out anyway. But from then on, that kind of changed the whole way of doing things. 
from then on, I used to pick my daughter up using my teeth and pick her up onto my knee or onto the sofa or whatever I was doing um, until she got old enough where she could put her hands around my neck and I could kind of hoist her up. So it was all just trial and error. I used to come up with these ideas on how I was going to do things, try it. Some things worked, some things didn't. But luckily, that was that was something that did. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's quite an amazing story, that, to be honest. Um, for, for me, like, listening to you talk about it, you hear everyone has all these obstacles that you, you have to overcome in life. And I think people with disabilities are sort of discouraged almost to, to have a go and overcome these things that you just mentioned. And it's a really important point there because you looked at that and you said, well, I need to do this differently, but I can do it. And I know I can do it. We just need to figure this out. Um, do, you, do you feel as though it's like people people with disabilities are almost too discouraged or, or do you think they're just, they're just almost doing more push to say, you can do it. You just have to have a different sort of mindset of knowing, I can do this, but it's going to have to be different to what my, how my friends do or how people I know do it kind of thing. Yeah, and I think I think it comes down to the individual. Yeah. Everyone's different. So I would say some people with disabilities, just like some people without disabilities, are very focused, very driven, and they will find a way. I also think it comes down to how you're brought up. So, and I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but some children with disabilities are kind of wrapped in cotton wool by the families. And you can t- completely see why, because that's a precious child, they need help, and the mum and dad don't want to expose them to failure. In the long run, I don't particularly think that helps um, because I don't think you you build up that resilience and that can-do attitude that I think we've got. Uh, I think each to their own. I don't think there's a right and wrong way. But my mum and dad are always of the mind, go and have a go, crack on, try, find a way. And they just let me explore things for myself. They, they helped me when I needed help. And I think that's, that's a really important part. You should always have help but you should always be allowed to explore and try things for yourself. And I think because I was always given that freedom to explore and I was never really treated any differently. I've got an older sister and my older sister, she's got arms. There's nothing wrong with my sister. Well, she's got arms, but I would say that um, because of that, my mum and dad always just let me try things. It was always expected that I would just crack on and, and find a way how to do things. And like I say, if I couldn't do something, then the help was there because there are things that I can't do, such as reaching things up off a high shelf or, you know, there was always going to be jobs that I couldn't do. I was yeah. never going to be a painter and decorator or a scaffolder or something like that. But it was always put to me that there was much more that I can do than can't. And I think that's the reason I always found a way on how to do things and still do. I'm still learning. I think... There's still yeah. things that I come across every day where you think, bloody hell, I can't do that. Let's find a way. And it's just about taking a step back, thinking about things in a different way and, and finding a way around it. I'm all about the solutions, not about the problems. If there's a way, there's a way. As my would say. Always. Always. <laughs> yeah, you made a really good point there about like, people with disabilities sometimes being wrapped in cotton wool. And, and you're right in saying there is no right and wrong way to do it but it was one of the big reasons why I started doing the podcast was seeing two sport in different areas like that seeing different people with disabilities that were they would talk to me and they would be like I'd be like you're really good at this you should go for that and they'd be like no I can't 
because you know it's where my mum or dad said this and that said that, and I, I would say, "Wait, what are you talking about? You can, you can do it." And 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 we'd be like, "You really think so?" You know, so so it's it's something that's is the disability in itself because of how because because of how it's perceived holds people back more than it should to have the you know having the wrong kind of approach. About Definitely, it. I mean, so I I think I think personally, society is changing. I think it's things are much better than they used to be and disability is accepted and people like yourself are showcasing what can be achieved and I think things like this podcast really help because as we said before it's a bit of an education it's not an education just for people with disabilities yeah it's an education for other people in society to see what can be achieved by people with disability and that's people that's employers so employers should be taking more chances giving people an opportunity to show what they can do. Schools, um, I think schools, you get good examples and you get bad examples of schools. There's really good schools out there who encourage disabled students to excel. There are still a few schools that I've had the displeasure of seeing who don't particularly have that attitude. But I'd like to think that by me going in and speaking to the teachers and speaking to the students yeah. that things are improving and they will continue to improve. I definitely think that they have improved and, and what you're doing at the schools is a, is a really, it hits home for me personally because I didn't have a good experience with how school was for me in terms of being able to, like you said, freedom to express yourself and put yourself out there and, and learn the ways of doing things independently. I, I was never really given that chance, especially in high school. So it's, it's good to hear you kind of going out there and doing that. But like you say, is I think that the only people that can really put our point across is us and having those disabilities and saying, look, we're here and we we can do a lot of things. It's not about not having the arms or being in the wheelchair. It's about what we what, what other things we can bring to the table. And um, like you say as well, it's not just about disability because every kind of scenario you have you have everybody has mental health everyone has physical health everyone has all these different issues whether you're disabled or not and um just because somebody has arms and somebody doesn't doesn't mean the person with arms is automatically happier than you are you know what i mean so that's I it i think I, I i agree exactly with what you're saying because i think sometimes well when people meet you they do it, it, it's common common sense really they see the disability before they see the mm. person and I haven't got a problem with that because when you've got a physical disability that you can see, it's the first thing that people notice. When people meet me within five seconds, they know what my disability is. And I would say after, after meeting me and speaking with me, that, that kind of takes a back seat. I think it's very different for people who have hidden disabilities. So someone with learning difficulties or autism or something like that, I think they face a very different challenge because when they first meet people, they don't realise that they're disabled. And it might only become apparent when they start speaking to them. So I think you have to take every, every case individually. But I think the end game should be that everyone's accepted, everyone's given the same opportunity, no matter what the disability is. And until we get to that point, there's still a place for your podcast to where uh, we're out and entertain the nation. Exactly, mate. That we're, 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 all, all we're trying to do is make it easier for the next generation, really. And, and 
one thing I've noticed is everyone I've had on has diff, diff, been different, but also had the same, you know, we're all different, but there's still the same amount of emotion and everything. Like, there's no new emotions in the world. Everyone can only experience, like, we all experience things differently, but all these different things that you feel can all be felt by, you know, different people in different ways. So it's, it's all about realising that we're all different. We all have different things going on. And um, I think that, that it doesn't necessarily define what you can and can't do. It's more about your mindset and attitude and approach to it than it is about what your disability is or not. Well, that's it. And, and it, we're all individual anyway, regardless of disability. And it's just about encouraging people to how to play to their strengths, if you like, to, to focus on what they can do and what they can't do. And that's regardless whether you've got a disability or not. That's across the board. Um, but I just think that some people with disabilities, they need a little bit more encouragement to, to draw out what their strengths are. I mean, there are yeah. people, and, and I've met them, and I'm, I'm sure you have too, who don't actually feel like they've got any strengths. They don't feel like there's any positives. And I, I find that really, really difficult because everyone's got strengths. And when you come across someone who doesn't feel like they have, where do you go with that? So you've got to strip it all back and you've got to kind of bring it out in them, ask them what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy. And it, by the end of a conversation with them, you can then turn it back on them and say, well, there's a strength of yours. But they didn't actually realise that it was a strength. It might be something very simple, like sitting talking to people. Well, an example I always use with people is, if you're applying for a job and you look at that job spec, 99% of jobs ask you to have good communication skills. If you are good at speaking to people, well, you're halfway there. So what people don't realise that that's a positive, that that's a strength. So it's kind of just taking a step back and looking at things in a whole new light. Is a, is a really interesting point because communication, I very recently, was was the, the number one priority for any business was before your degree, before that knowledge was how can you communicate it? Because really, if you ha- you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you can't communicate it, it doesn't really mean anything, does it? It doesn't. It doesn't. And that doesn't matter whether it's spoken word, like we are doing right now. It doesn't matter whether it's sign language or Makaton. It doesn't mat- matter whether it's body language. As long as you can communicate in a fashion or in your own way and people can understand you or learn to understand you, then that's all that matters, really. If you can get yes. your point across, and even non-verbal people can get the point across, then once people start tuning into that, then that, that's a massive obstacle that's been taken out of the way. Exactly, exactly, and I couldn't agree more. Um, I wanted to dive into sport and how, because sport's something that's really helped me in the sense of realising what I can and can't do physically and being able to kind of make myself more independent, get off, on and off my wheelchair and things like that. And I was reading about how much you enjoy swimming and how much of a difference swimming makes your life. What kind of impact did getting involved in sport have on you? It was a massive turning point in my life, to be honest. And I'm not a sportsman. I wouldn't profess to be a sportsman. I would say I'm not massively talented at any sport in particular, but I do enjoy sport. I love watching it. And as a child, I absolutely loved taking part in sport. You mentioned swimming. Now, swimming was probably the greatest thing I ever did. Not in terms of being a fantastic swimmer, 
but in terms of self-confidence and self-belief. Now, I started swimming when I was about five or six and I was terrified of the water, absolutely terrified. I was taught to swim by a lady who lived about 10 miles from me and she taught disabled people how to swim. That, but she did it as a, as a volunteer and she was called Alma Collin and sadly she passed away a few years ago. But she said that she would teach me how to swim. Now, going from being terrified to even get in the water to swimming two miles within about a year was a massive transformation. And it changed me as a person. Like I said, it gave me a lot more self-confidence. And I think that's probably the first time that I was able to realise that even being scared of something, not being able to do it at all, and then going from that to being really good at it within a short space of time, it was a, it was a big learning curve. And my mum and dad, they noticed a huge change in me. And so, yeah, I think that, that was a, a big part of my life. I, I also loved playing football when I was a kid. I was never much good at football, but I loved playing it. In fact, when I finished school and got home, every single night, I couldn't wait to get back out and play football. It was just something I did. So swimming and football, there were massive parts of my childhood. And through them, you make friends, you, you have social circles, you learn what you can and can't do. And just like you said, it, does, it, it teaches you limit, limitations. But yeah, I, I would say sport as a child has a huge impact on my life. And I can very much relate to that in both aspects, swimming and football, the two things for me as well. I actually was swimming today for the first time in six months since the Brilliant. lockdown and all that came out. So it was, it was quite interesting timing that that's happened right as we're doing this podcast. Um, but do you think that learning from that and having experienced that, do you feel as though more people should say, like, look at their fears and, and, and go, go for it and go past it? Because if you, if you can get through that wall, so to speak, you come out of it a different person, as you say. Absolutely. And I actually saw a quote online today, and I don't know who the quote was from, but it just said that you can't grow while you're comfortable. And yes. I thought that was really, really good. And it said, like, get uncomfortable now. Get out of your comfort zone. Try something new. If it's something that you're terrified of, just jump in at the deep end. It, it, it literally would be a sink or swim situation. And as long as you've got support mechanisms around you, there's, there's very little room for, for sinking. I think in, in the main, you do swim and you learn what you can and can't do, don't you? Yeah, I, I think that's kind of a lost sort of, not a lot of people say that anymore, but that, you know, people are very protective and very sure, not, not just in disability, just overall, that you see games of football where they don't take the score anymore and things like that. And, to you know, have going through these different experiences, I feel as though it's a being outside your comfort zone is a lost sort of art, and people don't really understand the benefits from it. And I think I think that that that's as well what I said about the job, how we started off this interview when you said leaving a stable full time contract, eighteen years in working for local council, to suddenly becoming self employed and relying on yourself. Um, no safety net underneath you. But I've learned to love the uncertainty. And I mean, look at the lockdown is a prime example. 
I really enjoyed lockdown. Personally, for me and my family, within our house, it was a great time because we got so much time together as a family. Yeah. Um, and that's coming from somebody who has a professional speaking business who relies on getting bookings to go to public events. Well, in March this year, I went from having a full diary to having an empty one overnight. However, I still loved lockdown because it was uncertain. And But I suddenly realised how much extra time I had. And it was just really, really nice to be able to spend time with the family. I really like the uncertainty. I find being comfortable, I find it quite boring now. And I don't like doing the same thing for very long. I like to try new things all the time. Is that because you feel like in the, like the uncomfortable, you're, you're always gaining something, you're always improving yourself? Is that constant, you're always constantly having to learn something new and improve yourself, which is what, which is what life is all about, really? It is. Always, I love learning new things. I love challenging myself. I love trying new things. And unless you do that, how do you know what you can achieve? I think it's something that we all should be doing. We should be pushing ourselves to the limit. And it's something that I do on a regular basis. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree, couldn't agree more. It's, 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 talking about the lockdown, though, that kind of... I've, I've actually not heard anyone say that yet, but they said everyone enjoys lockdown. I think it was... And that, that to me, comes back to saying it's all about perspective. All these things, you can... There's a way of looking at lockdown, you go, this is terrible, this is the worst thing. But you can't control you know, what's happening in the world, how it's all going to, you can only control how you then deal with it. And you've obviously dealt with it in a way that has been beneficial to you. There was a lot of good things that come out of lockdown. And I don't mean to, I'm only talking for myself because mm. I know a lot of people are struggling. A lot of people are finding it difficult, but, but a lot of good things come out of it. So I, I mentioned family time. I've never had as much time with my kids as the last six months. I'm really lucky that we can do things like this from home. Technology makes it really, really simple. And I think it's kind of took us back in time to a simpler way of life. We've learned to, to appreciate family time. We've learned to appreciate other things. Um, I think I normally spend a lot of time traveling around. There's been no traveling. When tra traveling is actually dead time. So I've actually achieved quite a lot of things within yeah, lockdown yeah. so so for me as an individual and for me as a family it's it's been a really really nice time what's an example of something that maybe perhaps if 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 lockdown hadn't happened and life had continued that you wouldn't have done that you would have to do now yeah i mean I'm, I'm actually writing a book at the moment and i started writing a book a couple of years ago and i started it and i got to a point where i wasn't very happy with it and i was really busy at the time and I wasn't spending enough time on it. I know that. So I, I tore it up and started again this year. So it's given me time to, to spend on new projects like that. And it's given me time to reflect on where I want my motivational speaking career to go. So it's, in, in effect, it's actually given me a whole new lease of life and a whole new look at things. That, I mean, it's, it's a very healthy way of looking at it. And, and, it makes me question some of the, some of the ups and downs I've had during lockdown, but I've I wasn't doing too well at one point with it, and obviously now I've, I've kind of. But then looking at it, I look at it and go, 
some some bad things that happened for me the salad doing is was helped me like all these things, all these ups and downs that you have, they're all relevant to who you then become. And and Well they are. And look I mean lockdown was a roller coaster. As much as I enjoyed it, it yeah. is a bit of a roller coaster. So there's times that you really love. There's times that you think, actually I could do with seeing some other people now. Mm-hmm. You miss that social interaction with people from outside your, your own family. But I think having a disability, we're used to the um, the we're used to the having to adapt and yeah. not having prepared for the situations. So I think we're kind of one step ahead of everybody else in that respect because the roller coaster is our life. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, it's a it's a very it's a very good way of putting it, and a good sort of. Also, I really very much look forward to reading that book. That book sounds like it's going to be interesting. I think a lot of the points you make are quite. You know, obviously, really worth putting, but it really resonates with me as something that's been been through a lot of things. Yeah, but maybe not had the same sort of as healthy a perspective as we've got right now. And it makes me want to ask, like, when you do these motivational talks, first of all, how much do you miss it? And also, um, has there been some things that, that you've learned from the audience? Yes, on both counts. I miss it a lot. Um, I can't wait to get back on the stage in front of a live audience. A lot of other motivational speakers have branched out into doing online talks like via zoom so very similar to this um and while i've dipped my toe into that and i've done a couple i would say i don't enjoy it anywhere near what i do actually turning up and standing on a stage and i think it's very different i love feeding off the audience and i don't think you get that when you do it online you don't know what they're thinking you can't hear them laughing you can't you can't ask them for questions throughout the talk so I, I do a, a lot of feedback from my audience. So yes, I do miss it. And going forward, I can't wait to get back on stage. I can't wait because I do learn from the audience. At yeah. the end of every one of my talks, I open up to the audience and ask them for any questions. And there's never, ever, I never say, you can't ask me that. I will answer anything they ask me. So you can imagine some of the questions that come forward. It's yeah. brilliant. And and I have learned a lot about myself in that process. I can't wait to get back to it. Do you, when you talk about talking on a stage for an hour long, part of me, you know, I, I think to myself, would that, do you ever, did you ever find yourself kind of stuck in a rut with it where you're like where, if you're where, where you're doing it you lose your train of thought or how difficult a thing is is speaking for an hour to learn it, it's a learning curve and like I say I'm still learning now but I, I started off by using a lot of PowerPoint slides and I use them as prompts mm. but I've got to a point now where I really don't need those slides because I've structured it in such a way that I just start at my birth I talk a little bit about childhood. I talk about leaving school and getting jobs. I talk about getting married, having kids. And if I go off, if I lose my train of thought, it doesn't matter. Because the audience, they don't know what was meant to come next. So you can just go off on a tangent. And I would say every one of my talks now is different. 
because I like to go off and tell little stories, tell anecdotes, tell jokes. And I think it's, it's a little bit like being a stand-up comedian in that you stand, stand there. But if someone in the audience says something, you can go off on a tangent and tell yeah. a story. Oh, and the overall theme is very similar. But I like being able to have that freedom to go off and tell different stories. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, yes. that's a good point because a lot of these things is a comedy that they can feed out the audience and you're, you're, you're able to react to what people are saying to you and then kind of feed off it and say, well, can I go and tell the stories like you say? But was there ever, has there ever been like scenarios where they've said something that's really kind of made you change your point of view or maybe look at it a different way from, from the audience point of view? Have you had any questions that have been like, really quite thought-provoking for you yourself i get them all the time and it's usually have you tried this yet and sometimes it's i get to the point where i say actually no i haven't tried it but i don't know why i haven't tried it so example people say do i ride a bike it's something i can't do because i fall off i can't get the balance yeah. like there is a company that make bikes with three wheels so it's something that I want to do. So it's actually given me a list of things that I want to achieve next. So I use the audience as my to-do list, if you like. And I really love the fact that they suggest things for me to try. And yeah. that's why I have all my social media pages. And when I do try new things, that's why I share it with all my followers. So they can keep in touch and they can see what I'm trying next. That, that's amazing I mean, and also it's like a constant growth for you as well being able to do these new things and experiences new things so, and I, I, I listen to it and I really admire it because for me public speaking is, is like it used to be now not so much because I'm getting used to the podcast and used to speaking more and, but a few years ago if you'd asked me to go and speak in front of like a few people I would have ran for the door you know so it's, it's, it's a really admirable kind of quality and I a lot of people with disabilities have problems with how they see themselves and how you know you've talked about never really have it you know always always kind of having the right surroundings and never seeing yourself that way and always seeing yourself in a good positive light which is exactly the way it should be but what would you say to anyone with a disability that perhaps doesn't feel that way and feels that way about themselves when they look at they look at being in a wheelchair having no arms is a really negative to, in their mind I think that's something you've got to learn to love yourself. You've got to learn to believe in yourself because unless you believe in yourself, how can you expect anybody else to believe in you? Because people are a mirror of, mirror of you. What, what you exude, people feed off and, and they react to. So um, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it, where, again, you've got to sit, step back and look at the qualities in yourself. But there's people with a lot a lot of self-esteem issues and a lot of people I speak to have the same problem and it is just getting through to those people that they are brilliant at some things and it's kind of again painting that picture of what their strengths and positives are and then it's getting them to believe in themselves not everybody is going to be stand on a stage and tell their story and that's regardless of disability but I think it's one of the best things you can do because it's not just about you telling your story. It's about educating other people. And it might be 
I get messages of people all the time saying, what you do is brilliant and it's made me want to do it and tell my story. Everybody has got a story to tell. Whether you've yeah. got a disability, whether you're disabled or not, everyone's got a story and it's a, it's a fascinating story. Everybody's got a story of ups and downs, strengths, weaknesses, successes, failures. It's just some people stand on a stage and tell that story. So I would just say to anyone who's, who doesn't want to do it, have a go do it because it might end up being a career. I didn't know that being a motivational speaker was a career until about five years ago. And now that is my job. That's my business. So it's just about having a go and getting on that stage and cracking on and telling your story. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and like you say, everyone's unique. Everybody has their own perspective. And, and nobody, literally nobody, it's been scientifically proven that nobody's the same. So therefore, everyone's story is different. And it's that's something I've learned from the podcast as well, you know, experiencing all these different things and seeing that regardless of your shape, size or disability or whatever, everybody's, you know, we're all going through, we all have the, we have the same, we have we all have minds. Nobody's mind is, that, you know, we all have different things that we're interpreting differently and we have to maybe communicate that better that we spoke about earlier. I mentioned to you before we start recording about world at your feet and how the, the video you posted we were uh, driving the boat and you said if this isn't world at your feet <laughs> I don't know what is how did you what, what I mean it may seem it may seem obvious now that you've heard it but before you <laughs> before I heard you say that it wasn't obvious to me the same world at your feet how, what made you come up how made, how did you come up with that kind of saying and, and that idea of world at your feet I think when I started doing my talks, I, I had to come up with a business name and I didn't know what to call it. And it, it was just, I have loads of these eureka moments where all of a sudden something dawns on you. And I was just trying to think about the message that I could get across, the things that I do. And I was, well, actually, everything I do with my feet. And I said, well, actually, I've got the world at my feet, literally. So I'm, my business is called World at Your Feet Solutions because I'm all about solutions, not about the problems. So my business is World at Your Feet Solutions. And that kind of become a bit of a, a catchphrase is world at your feet. I've got the world at my feet by nature. So when I do my talks, I want people to leave that hour's talk, that half an hour's talk, thinking that they've got the world at their feet too. Because they have. Everybody has. Anyone can achieve anything they want to achieve. And I, it was up in Scotland, not far from where you are, um, a few weeks ago when I was driving the boat on the lock. And my wife said, right, I'll take a little video and we'll share it online. Right, quickly say something. And I didn't really know what to say. She caught me off guard. And it kind of just came out that if this isn't having the world at your feet, I don't know what is. And it's a little bit cheesy. It has to be cheesy. It is cheesy. But it's true because I have got the world at my feet. And it's funny because I put it online and it went absolutely nuts in terms of the amount of views that it was getting. Just a simple... 12 second clip or whatever it was and I think within three days it had 15,000 views and it was just getting shares and I was getting messages from all over the world it's absolutely amazing the reach it's had and some of the messages I've had are wow that's inspirational I don't think it is for me it's just I was driving a boat it's something I've always wanted to do but for other people if they can get inspiration from it 
then brilliant. It's achieved what it what, what I set out to do. Another saying that you had that I really I enjoyed reading this quote. We said, "I'm I'm just extraordinarily ordinary." <laughs> was that is that the way we're putting it? That was again it really popped out. How did, how did that come out in your head? What made you think about that? It's just because a lot of people say to me, "Wow, you're amazing." wow you do so many amazing things but i don't i just do everyday normal things but i just do things a bit differently so if you look at my life i'm 38 years old i'm married i've got two kids i've got a job i own a business i drive a car i go out with my friends my life is exactly the same as all my friends lives who are 38 it's just that i do things differently so i don't think i do anything different to anybody else it's just that i've had to learn how to adapt so if people can get inspiration from that then that's brilliant i'm over the moon with that exactly and i think that's that's a really good point again because a lot of people i know with disabilities struggle with the idea of everyone says i'm inspirational and it can come across quite condescending sometimes to people and and as you say they are you know it's you're talking about how you you know you have a normal life you have a normal life but to, to most people they can't fathom the idea of being in your shoes and having no arms or, or being in my shoes and being in the wheelchair so even though you're living a normal life to them it's it's this crazy inspirational thing and sometimes to a lot of people that can be quite quite a negative but the way the way you think of it like you said there is is that you 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 what you're doing is you're showing that different doesn't mean bad. Different is always good. It's good to be different. We have too many normal people kind of it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's, I've got the beauty that I was born with my disability. So I've never known any different. I think it would be very different if I'd been in an accident and lost my arms later in life and had to do things, but I'd never known any different. So for me, I am ordinary. So that, that's where the term extraordinarily ordinary came from. It was people saying to me, well, don't you think it's amazing how you do all these things? And to me, it's not. It's just normal. I'm just me. I'm Stu. <laughs> that, exactly, exactly. And, and honestly, I, I really I relate to everything you said. And, and the way you come across and the way you speak about it is, you know, it really is more, you, you can tell that you're a motivational speaker. And I feel quite motivated from this conversation. Okay. And um, but just on last point on what you said there about you know if you if you weren't born with it and it happened to you later in life, and you had to kind of adjust that. Do you think how how do you think how you would have you would have do you feel as though you would have been had ended up with the same mindset eventually, or would it have been a more difficult kind of journey? I think if I was surrounded by the same people I always have been, I would have the same outlook because my mum and dad always had a can-do attitude. All of my friends did, my teachers, my wife does now. So if I had those, I think you're very much, if you're told something enough, it becomes part of you. So if you're told some, you can do something, you start believing it. So I think it would depend on who I had around me. And it might become relevant because, because I use my feet to do everything. I'm very bendy and very flexible and I'm very lucky in that respect. But as I get older, I won't be as bendy and flexible. That's just nature. As you become older, you become less flexible. So I will 
all have to learn how to do things differently. And it's just something I'll do. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'll, I'll still be able to do things, but I'll have to find new ways on how to do things. So I think my, I think my disability has meant my nature is, it's quite gritty, it's quite determined, it's quite driven. Whether or not I would be the same if I'd been disabled later in life, it's hard to say, but I'd like to think that I would. Yeah. And a lot of people see my disability as my weak point. But actually, having no arms is my strongest point. I flipped it on its head because I've built a business around it. If you yeah. said to me, I could have arms tomorrow, I would say, no, thank you. And people don't understand that. But if I had arms, I wouldn't be me. And I wouldn't have a job. I wouldn't, my whole life that has been geared up to having no arms would suddenly be, it would disappear. And I wouldn't be me. So I, I like who I am. I like not having arms because that's just me. And if you offer me arms tomorrow, then I would say no, thank you. It's so true, mate. And it's exactly how I feel about it as well. I think that's a brilliant point to finish on. And I just want to say thank you again for coming on. It's been a really good conversation. I've took a lot from it. And I'm sure everyone listening will take a lot from it as well. well. And thank you very much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Kieran. The world is truly a feat. With Stuart Myers. So thank you again, mate. And I'm sure um, this will go down really well. And, and again, I appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll speak again. Thank you. Definitely, mate. Take care. A reminder this podcast is sponsored by KO Financial, who are currently offering free wills for everyone, even if you're not a client. Don't be in the 60% of adults that are well. Call KO Financial on 0141 447 0290 or email advice at kofinancial.co.uk for more information. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Join us next week with former WWE superstar Matt Raywalt, known as Aiden English, first time in WWE. You won't want to miss that one. 12pm UK time. See you then. Enjoy your week.